Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our guest on this week's Visitor's Edition is Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal. Before he joins us, though, let's begin as we always do during the season with my view from Section 17. A season that started with high expectations has gone south for the Spartans. The offense is anemic and lacks playmakers. Brian Lewerke has been up and down, and the offensive line has been injury-plagued. The defense that played very well early in the season seems to be running on fumes. They are missing their leader, have a leaky secondary, and again, they just seem to be wearing out. Add to that the speculation that swirls around their head coach. Will he come back and make the changes needed? Or will he say it's been a good run and at 63, just walk away? With all of that going on, this game should be a rout, right? I suppose it could end up that way, but I would be surprised. This game means too much to them. It's their Super Bowl. We've seen that over and over. For us, it's Michigan State. What else do you need to say? We've won three of the last 11 games with these guys. And for each of those eight losses, we hear about it for 365 days from our Spartan brethren we share this mitten with. It is grueling. For us, it's time to ramp it up and get this final three-game stretch started on the right foot. We're coming off a bye week. We are as healthy as we've been all year. It's time. Time to start fast keep the pedal on the gas, and put these guys away. Don't let them hang around. They are a wounded rival, and as we've seen eight times in the last 11 years, you can count them out, but their head coach usually makes the best of moments like this, and they will bring it, but I think we will too. Our guest today says he cannot imagine a scenario that has Michigan State winning this game. He says they will play hard, but they just don't have the pieces or the talent to beat us if we decide to play the way we can. Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal is on deck here on our visitor's edition of the Michigan Man in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize and Brew, so stay tuned.
Here with us on our visitors segment again this year is Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal. Great to have you back with us, Graham. Uh, glad to be here. Well, uh, looking back at last week, I watched the first half and I tuned out after that because I thought, hey, this one's in hand for the Spartans. Uh, in the end, they rolled up over 500 yards of offense against Illinois and then lost it in heartbreaking fashion. And, you know, in the midst of a, a season that's had its struggles, that can be a crushing kind of a loss, can it? It absolutely can. Um, you know, I, you see kids and, and players and athletes be resilient all the time, but, you know, the, I mean, that is one of the, it may be the worst, I don't know if it's the worst loss in Mark D'Antonio's tenure, but it's certainly the, the collapse was, was epic that to have a 21-point lead like that in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't just that you had to lead. that They had dominated the early stages of that game, um, really convincing. I mean, it, to, to have that flip like that, that's a that's a tough one to overcome, especially, you know, this was sort of uh, this was the first game in a while that wasn't a top ten team. You you, you were playing a, a step down in competition, and, and you were controlling it, mm-hmm. and, and they had a lot of things going for them. And um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one to get over. What is going on with the offense, and why all of the struggles? It begins up front, and um, they, they've not been able to run the ball consistently, uh, and that's a three four year problem at this point, and. Um, that that it begins there, and that offensive line has, has been a, been an issue since 2015. That was the last year they were really able to impose their will on anybody, and that was the playoff team. And then the uh, you know they don't have a lot of game breakers, at least among their veteran receivers and in the uh, pass catchers, and you know that that's been an issue too because it is um, the, you can see the struggle to get separation. The, you know you look at a, a KJ Hamler at um, uh, Penn State, you know, and you see what he does for them. You know, they don't—they don't have a guy like that. They don't have somebody that that strikes fear into opponents and stretches defenses or can take, you know, a, a nice slant that's you know eight yards and, and take it the distance. Those things that make football a little bit easier. They really, really don't have that. And those two components—not having a game breaker as a playmaker and then the, the offensive line play, which has made. You know, the, the running game, a, a struggle, is, is are, I'd say, are the two primary reasons their offense has been the way it has. And, 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 and frankly, their struggles have also been, you know, I mean, it's not just the offense. The defense has not been what they thought it would be. Well, getting back to that offensive line for a minute, it's uh, been banged up quite a bit, so much so that there were two true freshmen starting on Saturday, weren't there? There were, and, and some of that was injury. Uh, some of that was, you know, opportunity. I mean, they have not been great, and they are trying to, you know, they like their young linemen, and uh, everybody always likes their younger players, but, you know, it, they're trying to see if they have something there right now, and, and um, you know, they got some decent play out of that, and that'll be a real test. I mean, those, you know, those kids played well, but to go into the big house and, and and hold up there in that setting, and you know it's 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 it's, it's a tall ask. Well, when it's tough for the offensive line, it's really tough on the quarterback. And I know it's been that kind of a year for senior Brian Lewerke. Talk about him though and his play this year. At times, I thought he has not been at all the issue, and at times, like last week, he was partly. Um, you know, I think you know he's got you know he's he's had really good moments, and he's had you know he's I think he's a pretty good quarterback, and I think. When you look at sort of the NFL um, draftable grade stuff you get on him, and the mm-hmm. the idea that you know some people project him playing in that league, uh, you know I think he's better than he looks sometimes. And a lot of that is if you just if you take any quarterback and give them no running game, anytime the game's really on the line, they, they don't look very good. I did a uh, 
a statistical breakdown where I just took games where uh, Connor Cook, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Brian Lewerke all had more than 135 yards rushing, uh, or Michigan State had more than 135 yards rushing for them in games they played, and their stats are very similar, and their wins are very similar. And, it, you know, you, you do wonder what his career would have looked like uh, had he had these, you know, the, the situations that the, the previous two were in. Um, but, you know, then again, last week, you got to take care of the ball better than that. You're a senior quarterback, and even if you look great early, and he was great early, and it was one of those games where, you know, you're just a little bit better than the other team in every facet, and so everything works. And that's the way it was in the first half. And, and then, you know, he had his hand in all four turnovers. One of the interceptions was tipped. You know, the the uh, the, the pick six though was just a really bad throw, and and uh, at a time they couldn't afford it. You know, he was one you know one snap that you got to fall on that was a fumble. I mean, it just there were things that, you know, more games are lost than one. And if he had just been a little taken care of them a little bit better, they wouldn't that game. Well, the running game, uh, because of the offensive line issues, has struggled most of the year. But Richard freshman Elijah Collins has shown promise, Graham. He's, he's given the ground game a nice boost, hasn't he? He really has. He looks like a guy who, I mean, who could be a featured back for the next, you know, couple of years. I mean, you see it in certain plays, right? It, it's, on the goal line, sort of a hesitation move and the the, uh, the explosion he has. He, he's got you know he, he's not Le'Veon Bell or anything yet. I mean, he's, um, but but there 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 are gifts in him. That, and the fact that he didn't start the opener is is, is pretty wild that they didn't see that uh, coming out of practice. But you, you or out of fall camp. But yeah, you see a lot of him. That's there are some gifts there that that some of the other guys don't have. That they've really been been lacking and uh, just some acceleration and, and the. Uh, the ability to get through tight spaces and and division and yeah he, he's a natural at it. And one of the problems they had was their other two guys, you know, the last year and, and coming into this year who both have entered the transfer portal since were not natural running backs. They weren't running backs in high school, mm-hmm. and it's not a rocket science position. But neither one of them seemed to have great running back instincts at times and, and, and Colin certainly does. Over on the other side of the ball, there's, there were such high expectations for the defense coming into the season and you know the offense struggles and that can really uh, suck the air out of a defense, especially when you get to this point of the season. But overall has the defense disappointed so far this year in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's not, you know, I mean some of it now is explainable. In hindsight, you see things that you didn't see, right? And, and I, I don't think, but I don't think anybody anticipated that they would be, they're a little younger in the back end, and that's been a bigger problem. That other corner position, uh, and and just a little younger at safety. You know, they a couple guys they lost to the NFL last year who were both playing and doing well in the NFL, and you start to see just how good they were, and and you knew it at the time, but their losses being felt. Kari Willis, the safety, who really took care of them a lot, and you know, starting with the Colts and, and Justin Lane, who was a a fast six three corner, uh, was with the Steelers. I mean, those. That, that other corner position they've been very young at or either young or uh, just okay average. And they, they don't really have another guy there that is anywhere near that. And, and um, it, it's, it's, it's shown up. There's, there's no question about it. And I think it permeates the rest of the defense then too. When you don't completely trust the back end, you know, the, you, a little of that trust is gone and they've had some other issues. But, uh, you know, a lot of it too is, you know, it's been situational, which has been – a little weird for this team. You know, it's the 4th and 13 against Arizona State late in the game that you just got to get a stop. Last week, it's the 4th and 17 
um, that you just got to get a stop and you win the game. You get both of those. You know, Michigan State has two more wins this year if they get a fourth and 13 stop and a fourth and 17 stop. And yes, people are still not thrilled with the year, but instead of four and five, you're six and three, and your three losses were to, you know, top 10 opponents. And, you know, that could happen to anyone, even if people are unhappy the way that they unfolded. So, you know, it's, it's, the defense has absolutely been a part of that. And they haven't been, you know, the front group has been really good, but they haven't been, um, you know, a guy like Kenny Willett just hasn't had the year he had last year. Now, he's, he's seen a lot more attention uh, than, than he did, but uh, it, it hasn't been a banner year for them. And you go back to the Ohio State game, and it wasn't just the secondary, which, you know, they had a young player a corner who got really burned that day, but also, um, you know, Joe Bocci had a big mistake, and, and now you obviously, that day, and now you also have Bocci missing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I mean, that's, a, you know, one of your, one of your, three captains and, and a guy who's been kind of the soul of that defense and you know he gets popped for a PED situation and, and uh, you know all of a sudden that just adds to it. Well you wrote a piece after last Saturday's game and, and one of your three quick takes uh, was that the loss was a collapse for the ages and that it will define the MSU season the team and perhaps the final chapter of Mark D'Antonio's career but you said if you were him you wouldn't leave it that way. Do you think there's any real possibility he will not return next year? Oh, sure. I, I think, you know, I, and I, you know, he's, he's not somebody who's letting people in like this, but I, I've talked to people that, that um, are close enough to the program that thinks that, that think that's a possibility. I, I mean, I think he knows he's on his final legs and he knows he's at this point going to have to make some decisions about staff that are hard. And do you want to do that 13 years in? How much longer do you want to do this? You know, I mean, it's. Um, I, I think there is an absolute real possibility he doesn't return. He's got a four point three million dollar retention bonus through mm-hmm. January, and he, that that could factor into things. But I also think that you know, there's the what's what's transpiring. Like if you're Mark D'Antonio, you don't want to leave it on this. And 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 I, my my general thing is if you beat Michigan, now and, and again, people should coach and work as, as long as they want to, and, and and he's earned the right certainly to try to get back into the fight and make some changes and. and uh, but if they beat Michigan, which I really don't see happening, and I don't really see how it would happen at this point, but I would I would look to walk away because um, at that point you would have people would it would put a different feel on this season. People would be reminded why they loved you originally in the Michigan State community. That'd be nine wins in thirteen years over your rival, you know. And you take a bow, and people go, "Boy, that was really that was really something." And that would change everything. If they get thumped in Ann Arbor, and they're four and six, and they've got to then they go beat Rutgers and Maryland and off the radar games just to get to a bowl game. I mean that that's just such a it would be such an unceremonious exit. Such a uh, and, and it's not just that they've lost a little bit that they've it was this was supposed to be a, a really good season for them. This was supposed to be you know this wasn't some rebuilding year, and he's also been combative a little. He used to be so good at. Um, sort of reflecting the feelings of the fan base of being in with them. And that was one of the things people loved about it. If you go back to the original Michigan game, right? It's the Mike Hart comment mm-hmm. and the little brother comment and his response to that, it was, you know, pride comes before the fall. It'll never be over. It was his tone. And, and you know, you got Michigan state fans for, for ages. It's an inferiority complex. They get kicked around by Michigan. The reason little brother hurt so much and stuck is it was absolutely true. I mean, that's the thing, Right. Those, that doesn't hurt if it's not real, right? So that, and he, and he spoke to a place where they were. And then, 
he went out and did it on the field. The next year they go to Ann Arbor and win. And, you know, so that, that sort of stuff is, um, that was really important at that stage of his career, even before they went big. And now there's a disconnect. Now people just want to hear him acknowledge this isn't working. And instead, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel, it feels like, and I think he knows it, but he's not communicating that. And, and it, it's, it's become with, with a certain sector of the fan base adversarial, and I don't think it needs to be. No, after all he's done for Michigan State, I can see him, you know, choosing to walk away. You just reach that point where you've done all that you can. But there's absolutely no way that he would be fired, is there? No, no, I, no, no. First of all, this administration is not going to do it. And not for, you know, you never know what, what there's a, a deposition in the uh, Curtis Blackwell lawsuit in yeah. January. And so there's always a chance something really embarrassing comes out or something off the field, you know, and, and, and they sort of mutually part ways or something. But, but for the most part, I, I, um, nothing for on the field. I mean, he's the all time winningest coach there. Uh, you know, even if, you know, even if this season winds up six and six and in Detroit in a bowl game, that's, I mean, look, it, yeah, it was 36 and five over three years, a few years ago, but no playoff, three right. big 10 titles, a Rose bowl, and still would have beaten Michigan eight times in 13 years. If Michigan State, you don't fire a coach who beats Michigan eight times in 13 years. Oh, no. Well, looking ahead to this Saturday, though, can the Spartans fix enough of their offensive issues in just one week, which is asking a lot, to have success against the Michigan defense? You know, what's weird is, and I don't know the answer to that, I don't think they'll be able to run the ball. I think the step back up and talent will be a problem there, and it's just – Against Illinois, they could, and I don't think they will be against Michigan. That, that said, it was interesting early in the first half because the original quick takes I was sort of writing when this looked like a Michigan State blowout over Illinois was that, you know, it, for, for all their struggles and for all that had gone wrong, at least they had kind of shown um, the floor of the program. The the, uh, the foundation was, was a level of play that was above the – cut above the, the lesser teams in the Big Ten, and, and – that, that that's important, and that they had found, you know, they had some found a, a measure of confidence and some rhythm, and because they looked pretty good offensively, and so maybe they'll be able to draw on some of that. Maybe some of that'll stick. I think Lewerke was pretty good in the first half, and he, you know, I, it's an offense that has enough. You know, you got a veteran quarterback, you got a couple pieces that are, are uh, experienced, you got a couple intriguing young players. You know, I, it has a chance to find something to score a couple times. The problem is, if Michigan is what they look like the last ten quarters, I don't, I don't know how you keep pace, um, and I don't know how you keep. Now that said, I mean there have been a number of Michigan State games. I'm probably going to write get into this this week, and sort of you look back at the Michigan Michigan State games in the years Michigan has been heavily heavily favored. It, it doesn't always go quite like that. Now Michigan often has won, but you know you look at the what's the 2004 game, the 2000, even the 2016 game where Michigan was a massive favorite and Michigan State was in the middle of a three and nine season. That wound up being a nine point game and it was you know competitive to some degree. Um, and so I, I do think there's a chance this is a fight. And the Michigan State players who are playing in this game, a lot of them have won in Ann Arbor, and so there will be a, a confidence there. They won the last two times as a program there, um, but. I, it's just it, it's hard to imagine an offense that is complete enough to win in Ann Arbor, and I just I've seen enough of them this year. I just I saw what happened at Wisconsin and against Penn State, and um, 
And Ohio State was probably the most promising there is. I mean, people kind of lump Ohio State in with with everything that happened. Michigan State played Ohio State as well as anybody. Did. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a, a relatively competitive game. If they don't fumble twice on their first two possessions, which I think eventually wore down the defense a little bit because they were on the field so much. But the defense is great against Ohio State early. And then Ohio State just has the game breakers to break big plays. And the, the offense, you know, moved the ball fine against them. I think there were promising signs there um, that – they could be a competitive team against really good teams. And, uh, you know, if Michigan is a step down from Ohio State, and I don't know how far that step is right now. Michigan looked really good the last few weeks. But then then maybe there's a shot to, to, for them to be in the game. The other problem for Michigan State is not just being in the game. It's that one of the, the character traits you now see uh, from MSU is that they do not finish games well. <laughs> when things can go wrong, they do. And, um, now they finished the Indiana game well and things like that, but the, the trait at the end of the Arizona State, at the end of Illinois, that's sort of become a little bit of who they are. And so even if this is relatively competitive and they're able to pull that off, the idea that they would be the team to make the plays late to win the game uh, seems far-fetched. Well, final question, Graham. Last week in your, your post-game piece, you said it was hard to picture the game this week against Michigan not getting ugly for the Spartans. Do you still see it that way? Yeah, I mean, I can't picture it not getting ugly. It's probably the, but it, it, and certainly at the time, that's the way. It, 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 I mean, the one thing I'll say to that is not even Michigan State as much as, and, and this is a different type of game. Michigan State does have the, the goods up front defensively to be competitive. They have, this isn't a, a game where they're going to be overwhelmed, you know, across the board or anything. So I, I think you know, there's a there's a chance certain ways, but the other the one other chance I have is. Do you t- entirely trust Michigan yet? Now, I, I'm starting to. Like, you watch what they did to Notre Dame, and that's just an impressive, impressive performance, the way they did it on the ground, the way they, you know. Um, but that was comp- a competitive game for a while, and then they broke it open. You watch that second half of Penn State, and then Maryland, you know, I mean, it wasn't, but, it, you know, they're just better than Maryland. And, and so if you trust Michigan, the answer is Michigan State's got no shot. If you trust what Michigan's become. But, you know, Michigan is also the team that, not all that long ago, <laughs> like I mean, it was about a month ago. I thought this game was a real toss-up, and probably shouldn't even be televised based on the way the two offenses were playing. It was just <laughs> brutal stuff to watch. So that, so maybe that Michigan team still exists and has that game. It's hard to imagine coming off a bye, um, you know, when they found something this late in the year against a rival, having that game. But you, you never know. So I think it's going to have to be a combination of things: Michigan State playing. So their best offense they've shown this year, which at times has been has been adequate and decent, uh, but but not all that often. And then Michigan uh, reverting back just a little bit, and some of the struggles they've had, and, and uh, you know that that's to me the the best shot. And, and the, the big problem for Michigan State is just that Michigan wideouts are so good, and that's not a place that Michigan State has shown itself to be really strong right now. They got one really good corner, but he's he's a little undersized. We got. Uh, a veteran safety is really good. Another young safety is very promising. That's shown flashes, but for whatever reason, that that secondary is, is vulnerable, and um, that to me is it just doesn't. I, I, it's hard to picture Michigan State pulling an upset. I'm not getting ugly. I can see some scenarios, but it's it's, uh, it's you know I haven't even predicted it in my head 100 percent yet. But I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't picture it going well for an issue. Well, it is such a huge game. There's so much on the line, as is always the case for both teams again this year. So 
We'll see. Hopefully, uh, we're done with our snow in uh, this area, though, Graham, and we just get a nice, cold, sunny day, but uh, a good game day. Yeah, no, you know, what you don't want is uh, you really don't want a game ruined by weather. I'm sure Michigan State at this point thinks that might even it out. But you'd love a game where, you know, the game is actually decided just by who the teams are. Yeah, exactly. Well, 10 inches of snow on the ground in Ann Arbor this morning. I'm sure most of it will be there Saturday, but we shall see. Our guest on the show today on our visitor segment has been Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal. Always great to have you on the show, Graham. We appreciate your time and look forward to the next visit. I enjoyed it as always. Take care. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, we are as healthy as we've been all year. No injury news to share. Here are some game day notes surrounding this huge in-state rivalry. We lead the series with 70 wins against 36 losses, and there have been five ties. The first game was played on October 12, 1898, here in Ann Arbor, a 39-0 Michigan win. We won last year 21-7 in East Lansing on October 20th. Mark D'Antonio is in his 13th year as head Spartan. His record is 1-18-62. Last year, they were 7-6 overall, 5-4 in the Big Ten, they lost to Oregon 7-6 in the Red Bowl. They enter Saturday's game with a 4-5 and record. Kickoff will be just afternoon and broadcast on FS1. It looks like a winter wonderland around here right now, and I don't think the snow is going anywhere. But the weatherman says we should be cloudy with a few peaks of sunshine. Winds will be gusty with temps near 28 at game time climbing to near freezing for a high, so bundle up if you're coming to the big house. I'm ready. You know the Spartans will be ready, but so will Jim Harbaugh and our team. Jim said it earlier this week, throw out the records. This will be a war, and I know you hear that every year, but so often it is true. It should be a great game and a great atmosphere. That will do it for this week's Visitor's Edition. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Think victory, beat MSU. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. And until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!